it was from a friend of ours. We had him one time. We haven't had him since. Father, I just ask you to minister to this morning in this service. I yield myself to you, and Pastor, I know, has yielded his self to you. And we thank you, Father God, for the privilege that we have for the anointing that has already destroyed the yoke of bondage. And we thank you, Father God, that we pray for this congregation. We pray for those, Father God, that are in leadership in that church. God, I pray that if a pastor is to rise up out of there, if another pastor is to be placed in that church, God, you know those in authority will know what to do. I just pray for the families and the congregation, Father. I just praise you, Father God, that we know that they are in heaven with you, rejoicing around the throne. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. People would say, well, what happened? I don't know. Ask God. It's probably their time to go. You know, most of us that graduated from Rhema don't believe in retirement. And so we believe in in uh, refiring instead of retiring. And they might have just decided, well, that was our last mission and we're out of here. Hallelujah. I don't know. All I know is that God is merciful. He doesn't cause things like that. But one thing I do know, we have to be prepared for everything in this hour. And we can't allow anything to get us down. Anything to get us down. Hang on a minute. This guy's page is not easy to find. I wanted to read this, though, because it goes along with the sermon that we're doing today. So just hang on a minute. Let's go ahead, ushers. Go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And this is the building fund as we're doing that. Let's obey the Lord. And um, rather than taking the offering out, if you would stay in, Terry, that would be good for right now. I had just said this. He uh, spent time with Brother Hagen right before Brother Hagen died. And Brother Hagen shared some things with him that were very um, important and instrumental in this time. And I guarantee you what is going on right now is, is not what Brother Hagen shared with him as I read you this. Would I disobey the Lord? I had just sat down in our morning word and spirit meeting in Owega, New York yesterday because the meeting was about to begin. I had been awake praying since a great while before day. The Lord Jesus had awakened me asking questions that I tried to rationalize for an answer for. Now you have to remember this man is an evangelist. He is not a pastor, so he goes into different churches. When you go into different churches, you are under subjection to the pastor that's in that church. And so you have, to, you have to think about this. When a pastor says, I don't want this and this and this taught, or I want things done this way, you're under subjection to that if you desire to stay. So he was, the Lord Jesus had awakened me asking questions that I had to rationalize an answer for. He asked me about different things that were taking place in the church world and wanted to know what I thought about them. This was brought on, I believe, by, by a couple of weeks 
of praying and asking the Lord questions about these things. He answered me differently than I thought he would with this experience I'm writing about. To be honest, I never thought about the Bible or Spirit of God answers to his questions. I was too busy evaluating what different ministers and pastors were doing and saying about the questions being asked me. Jesus was asking me about the sweeping wind of change in the church and was it of him? Truthfully, I could not answer because I had so much influence of key people I had been submitted to in my life and ministry for years. Also, the sweeping change seemed to be embraced by many of my peers in ministry. I respected and still do that can preach and teach circles around me. A couple of ministers I have submitted to for many years told me personally the change was of God. I mentally searched through the church world to evaluate what other ministers, pastors, and churches were doing and knew that many agreed with what I had been told also, not all. I was miserable, mental mess after several hours of frustration of trying to justify my mental answers to the Lord because of popular influence of others. I was pressured to adapt to all the new ways, follow along. In my frustration, I told the Lord, I don't know what your will is anymore. I'm being told, I'm told today that many things I was taught were of God, are no longer of God, and that I am old-fashioned, old-schooled, foolish, and missing the move of the new modern re relevant church. I'm being told that parts of the New Testament were not written to the church. I am told not to speak in tongues or raise my hands or preach on sin or repentance in a church service. I am told not to yield to the Holy Ghost or his gifts. I am told that Dad Hagen split the church group I am associated with by holding Holy Ghost meetings. Isn't this sad? It gets better. I am told that, um, let's see, I am told that what Dad Hagen taught me that some of what Jesus and the Bible said is no longer for today. I'm told I should not be a preacher, but a life coach. I'm told I should have abbreviated services to get the people in and out because they are too busy today. I'm told I should dress as if I'm going to plow a mule or play a ball game when I speak or attend church so people will come. I'm told that I should create a rock concert atmosphere to excite the people. I'm told that I should start the service with a rock and roll song from the Beatles, Black Sabbath, or others so, uh, so the people can identify with it. Boy, God's really going to move in those services, you think? That's as far as I got in my response to the Lord. That was my, <laughs> my words on that. As I sat down in the morning word and spirit meeting in Owego, New York, frustrated not knowing what I would speak on, in about 10 minutes. I don't have every detail of the service planned out, never have, and was utterly dependent on the Lord. He, told, he never told me what to speak on, and he always does. I did not know what to do. He has taught me to trust him over the years. Suddenly, he rebuked me sternly for getting so caught up in what others were doing and saying by taking me supernaturally to 1 Samuel chapter 15. You might want to turn there. I did not know what I was going to read because I did not recall what that chapter was about. My eyes looked on the page. The first verse I saw was verse 26, and Saul, 1 Samuel 15, 26. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord 
and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. 27. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. 28. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent thy, the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. 1 Samuel 15, 26 to 28. The Lord Jesus said, This is your answer. If I, if those I called to a ministry office do not obey my word and spirit, I will reject them, just as I, am, I rejected King Saul for his disobedience. I will remove my anointing from any minister, including you, if, you, if I am not obeyed. Do not be led away from me by the ideas of men and quit letting what they tell you bother you. Right now, forget being an outcast and die to your fleshly desires to please men and stay in the comfort zone and trust in men. If you are going on with me, you must do this or you will go no further in me. Believe that I will raise you up as you humble yourself before me. Noah was the only one in his generation that stood with me. He kept putting boards on the ark as he was laughed at and made fun of. For 120 years, my words were rejected that he spoke for me to the people, and he was right and they were wrong. And it will, pr and it will, wait a minute. And they were wrong and it will prove, great, come back, come back. And it will prove true in your day, even though it seems long. Stay the course and die to your selfish ambition. I have been giving those in disobedient space to repent, and they think it is my agreement with their actions. You prayed to be like me, but now you complain because you are experiencing the fellowship of my sufferings, just like the Apostle Paul did and many others. Crucify your flesh and take up your cross and follow me. No one stood with me in my sufferings on the cross. And do you think that, that you are better than your master? Except a corn and wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. So through the crucifixion of your flesh, my life will spring forth. Why did King Saul disobey me? And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed and commanded, transgressed the commandment of the Lord and the and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Do not fear any man, fear me. I got up in the service and preached First Samuel chapter 15 to myself under a mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit. As people listen with resolve to obey the word and the spirit of God, God is with me. You know, there are so many doctrines going around in this hour. I've heard of them from different friends that disagree with them and I always go back and I remember and I've shared this with many ministers that that we know I remember when we were having those satellite seminars that Brother Hagen was doing how many remember those and I remember the one night when he talked about how bad the how bad it was going to get on this earth and I believe it was around the time when he talked about a president that we would have that we better be careful who we vote for 
He said a remnant of Word of Faith people praying would turn things around. And at that time, the Word of Faith movement was the most popular movement in the body of Christ. And I sat there and I thought, and I remember this, I thought, God, a remnant. A remnant isn't very many. I, I thought about Gideon and his army. You know, how it kept, God kept, no, 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 and it got down to very little. And I thought about this. Well, we see these things going on now in the body of Christ, only they are so... Um, they're, they're so far out there, I, wouldn't, I don't even want to speak them from this pulpit. But I can imagine being an evangelist in this hour that you have to go to churches and are told to do certain things. And you have to say, no, I, I won't do it. Or when you call, you make sure before you ever go to that meeting, find out exactly what that minister is asking of you to do and what he believes, what he expects. So we need to pray. We need to pray for what's going on in the body of Christ in this hour. God is moving mightily, and He wants He wants a revival in this in this country. I don't believe it's going to be a very long revival, but I do believe we'll have one. Children's Church, you are excused. Hallelujah. Okay, we have today is Pastor Appreciation Day. I appreciate you, Pastor. I do. We had a wonderful time in Hawaii. I have pictures. We had a wonderful time. I thought for a while Pastor was going to have to drag me out of there, but we were ready to come home. Okay, what do we have? Not a lot. You did well, Christine. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she had to figure out what I wanted on the calendar without me being here, and she did a great job. Let's see. This week there's not really anything going on. So we're going to go ahead and get started on the sermon this morning. You want to stay there? You don't want to come up here, I take it? Okay. It's from disaster to defeat, from disaster and defeat to victory. Hallelujah. Do you have a nugget for today? He's not on. Now he's on. Information is good. That's true. That's it. <laughs> information is good, but revelation is best. Information is good, but revelation is best. Okay. Are there some areas in your life that you seldom see victory. You need to think about this and answer it. Illnesses, any indebtedness, irreconcilable relationships, drugs, alcohol, whatever, lying, deception, overeating, whatever. It can be anything. Whenever there's a tough problem that doesn't want to go away, you are going to have to say that's enough. You have to come to a point where you say that's it, that's enough, I've had enough of it. You're going to have to draw the line to defeat the disasters. You're going to have to draw the line to defeat the disasters. First, you're going to have to do and look at your life, look at the word, 
see the areas in the in your life that do not line up with the word you know you there i'm sure there are many more that do but those very few that don't are the things that we need to take care of amen write them down uh, now the way i like to do things i take the hardest things first because i figure if i can myself and the holy spirit can overcome the hardest thing, the hardest situation, then the others have to fall like dominoes. Okay, so I sit down and, and sometimes it takes a whole day. Sometimes it takes days. I'm going to be honest with you. You have a paper in your hand and you carry that around. Pastor knows that I journal everything. I have a journal and many journals. Um, that I've gone through, but I journal everything and keep notes and everything. And then I run around digging through old journals to find out <laughs> what I've said. But when there is a tough problem that doesn't want to go away, you're going to have to say that's enough. You're going to have to draw the line to defeat the disasters. You're going to have to spring back from those setbacks. Now, Say you go out and you blow it. That's a setback. Are you going to continue? You know, there's a choice at that point that we have to make. We're going to stand on 1 John 1, 9, confess our sins and repent and turn away from them. Or are we going to continue in them, continue on in that, in that circumstance and situation? And this is where you have to draw the line and make this choice and say, I've had enough. I'm no longer going to participate in this. And if you can't do this on your own, then you're going to have to go to someone that's in authority over you that you trust in, in you know, spiritual things. I would suggest one of your pastors and sit down with them. I don't know if that's me or who. It's probably me. And it needs to shut up. Excuse me. We should take care of this. Yes, it is. Excuse me a minute. Thank you, Jesus. Setbacks can be painful. Even... Can be painful, even embarrassing. How many know that? But they do not signal permanent defeat or failure. I'll say that again. Every one of us has them. Sometimes they last a day. Sometimes they last a week. Sometimes they last a year. Whatever. They can be pain. The longer they last, the more painful they are. Okay. But they do not signal permanent defeat or failure. In fact, setbacks can become springboards that will propel you into long-lasting success. Okay, so if you've had any setbacks lately, they can become springboards that will propel you into long-lasting success. Number one, God's Word has much to say about our walk as Christians. If we get our walk into line with the word, we can walk away from defeat, poverty, fear, sickness, 
into God's wisdom and God's abundance. Number one, Genesis 17, 1. I cannot believe everybody's texting me right now during church. 17, 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, 99, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk and live habitually before me and be perfect, blameless, wholehearted, and complete. Look at what he says to him. Walk and live habitually before me and perfect, blameless, wholehearted, and complete. That is something that we are of the seed of Abraham. We need to walk before God. We know that Jesus walked habitually before God, even though he was tempted with every sin that was out there. Can you imagine the things that you've been tempted with, yet Jesus was tempted with just as, Jesus was tempted with just as Judas was to rob. He was tempted with lust. He was tempted with every temptation there is and ever will be on the earth. And he was able to resist them and be an overcomer and never give in to one of them as a man. He did not do this as God. He, he accomplished this as a man. This is where so many people get so screwed up. I've heard people tell me, well, he did it as God. If Jesus had come and overcome the enemy as God, then there, there wouldn't be that hope for us. He overcame the enemy as man. When the enemy came and tempted him, he took the word of God and he, 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 he shoved it. I'll just put it, paraphrase it. He shoved it down the enemy's throat. Now let's, let's move up here. I want to share a little bit about here. Walk before me and be thou perfect. If you walk with God, you're not walking in disaster, defeat, poverty, fear, sickness, and self-pity, but you're walking in godly wisdom and God's abundance. That is walking in perfection, which means maturity. Maturity means that you believe God for goodness, abundant, abundance and favor, not hurt, lack, and disparity. Maturity means walking out of sickness, stress, and poverty because you're actually walking in God, a God who is more than enough. A God, you know, I look at this church that I just spoke about. What did they do? Two nights later, they all came to church and they worshiped and praised the Lord. They could have allowed this circumstance and this situation to completely defeat them and get them down, but they all showed up at the church. They all came, they all began to praise and worship God and have a a time before God that, that allowed God to bring forth healing and restoration instead of carrying on and complaining and asking why and whatever. You know, the enemy will keep you bound with the why question. 
or what if, or why did you, or whatever. It's time to, to draw a line. Like Paul said, I refused. I totally refused to look back. And he had a lot he could look back at. But I press on to the mark of high calling. There is a mark of high calling that we're to press into and press on to. Hallelujah. Maturity means that you believe God's goodness, abundance, and favor. Not hurt, lack, and disparity. Maturity means walking out of sickness, stress, poverty, because you're actually walking in God, a God who is more than enough. If you have David Ingalls' music and you're playing it, he has a song, there's more, it's more than, enough, more than Enough. Powerful, powerful song. Like Abraham, you will have to have an attitude change about yourself and life. God wants to take all the negative things you have been rehearsing out of your life. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are, I hate to say this, there's two types of families. Well, there's different types, but I'm going to take two. There are families that have been raised up, you've been raised up in a family where everything is rehearsed over and over and over and over. It's like a broken record. It never stops. It never quits. It never shuts up. And then there are families, yes, they go through the same situations, but they're able to drop it and move on into higher ground. Amen? And so or personalities. But I've found that the way a person is raised causes their life to, as they mature in God, they're, they're, if you've been raised with negativity and there hasn't been discipline applied to the sense realm, then it is harder to get over things than those that have been disciplined. Does that make any sense to you? I hope it is does, because if it doesn't, raise your hand and I'll explain it. Okay? So, Abraham was told to get out away from his family. He said, don't take any of them with him, which he did, unfortunately. And that person that he took caused a lot of problems. He took Lot with him. Of course, he had to take Sarah because she was his wife, wife and half-sister. But he had to learn how to forget the past, forget his family, forget that whole thing. Weren't they moon worshipers or what? Was it moon worshipers? He had to forget all that and move on to a God that he didn't know anything about, to hear, listen to a God that that revealed himself to him. And that's what God wants for us. That's what he has for each one of us. So, like Abraham, you will have an attitude change about yourself and life. God wants to take all the negative things you have been rehearsing out of your life. All the negative things you are rehearsing. That's why 2 Corinthians 10, 5 is so important to me. Casting down imaginations and reasonings. Imaginations and reasonings. You know, when we start thinking about something long enough, we begin to imagine things. We, then we can actually see it. Then we begin to reason it. 
Next thing we know, you know, this is why I'm gonna, you have so many habitual liars in the, in the time that we live in because they have never been taught, number one, the Constitution. They've never been taught the Ten Commandments. They don't, you know, if you talk to people, young kids nowadays, they don't know what the Constitution says. They have no idea how this country was started. They have no idea what the Ten Commandments say. All this has been just completely taken out of their lives. I bet if you really sat and asked very many young children about Christopher Columbus, who's the holiday is Monday. I didn't know we still celebrated that, but I guess the banks do. I wonder what they would tell you. I'm talking little kids, five, six, seven. I wonder what they'd tell you. Seriously, ask your kids if you have one that age. I'm glad I don't, but thank God we've, we've been through that. But like Abraham, you will have to have an attitude change, attitude about yourself and life. God wants to take all the negative things you have been rehearsing out of your life. You receive abundance, wisdom, and health by separating yourself from negative and sinful things by separating yourself. That's why God told him, get away from your family and go out into a place that you know not about and just start, just, just start moving out there. Just be obedient. What do you do with Moses? Same thing. Same exact thing. You say, well, you're saying God wants me to get away from my family. I'm not telling you that. But if God tells you that, then you better do it for a while. Whatever God tells you, I'm not going to tell somebody to do that. That's between you and God. If you receive abundant wisdom and, and health by separating yourself from negative and sinful things, learn to control your mouth. Proverbs 18, 21. Learn to control your mouth. If you have had problems with rebellion, you need to deal with it now because the Bible says rebellion is as the spirit of what? Witchcraft. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it, death or life. Go up to one, go up to one, let's go two, two up. 19, a brother offended is harder to be won over than a strong city. A brother offended is harder to win over, to be won over than a strong city and their contentions separate them like the bars of a castle. So a, person, a, a brother or sister offended is harder to be won over. When people are locked up in offense, it's like they're behind bars. They can't get out of it. That's all they can think of. And it's always somebody else. It's everybody else's fault that they're in the situation they're in. It's never their fault. Trust me. 
for 30-something years, I've sat and listened to people tell me it was my mother's fault. It was my father's fault. It was my first husband's fault or, or wife's. Now it's this wife's fault. Whoever, my boss, whoever, it's everybody else's fault but their own. And I get the grand pleasure of, of asking them, where do, you, where do you come into this? What, what, what fault do you have here? You know, to me, if you've been married before and you're having the same problems in the second marriage, then you have a problem. Amen. <laughs> okay, so let brother offended is harder to be won over than a strong city. So when you come up to someone that's offended, know that it is harder to be won over than a strong city. So it's going to take some work. Not You don't stand that person in front of you and start preaching to them because I'm going to tell you all that's going to, unless God tells you to, all that's going to do is make them more offended. And it's going to be harder and harder to harder to win them over. Amen? You do a lot of time on your knees. Much time. Because people that are offended are argumentative. They want to argue the point over and over and over. And you want to say, shut up. And their contentions separate them like bars of a castle. Their contentions separate them from their families. Wake up or turn every heater off in the place if you're going to sleep because you need to hear this today. A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequences of his words he must be satisfied whether good or evil. A man's moral self, this is verse 20, shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. So how you act morally is going to be filled by the words of your mouth. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth will speak. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. Life and death. Life or death. Okay, Proverbs 4.20. You say, well, I know all these scriptures. Don't you know anything else? Well, I'm not going to get out there like those crazy people and start preaching stuff that's a bunch of garbage and picking stuff out and saying, oh, Jesus didn't really mean this. Okay, so you can forget that here. It's not going to happen. Proverbs 4. My son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart. For their life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart. If you're going to keep and guard anything, keep and guard your heart. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. Keep and guard your heart. There are just, I'm going to be honest with you, there are just some people I don't associate with because I'm guarding and keeping my heart. You know, if, if, if you know 
that, thank you, if you know that there is trouble every time you're around someone and you can't deal with that situation, then you need to go to them if God tells you to. And if they don't listen, then you need to take someone else with you and go to them. And if that doesn't work out, then you need to cut the tie right there. That's what the word says in Matthew, I believe it is. So let's go on here. Put away false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk put far from you. So put away false and dishonest speech. How many times, and don't raise your hand, can you honestly say there are days when you are deceitful? Just little, little white lies, the little ones. You know, some churches have, what are they, menial sins and whatever. You know what I mean? The little white ones. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk be far from you. Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. Consider well the path of your feet and let your ways be established in order to write. Before you go in and commit yourself to something, you need to pray about it first. How many know that? How many have ever committed yourself to something and it turned out to be the biggest mess you've, you've, you've involved yourself in, but because you committed yourself to it, you gotta do it. If you pray first and you ask the Lord, he will tell you whether or not you're to involve yourself in that, and it will save you much time and much repenting. Amen? Consider the well, the path of your feet, and let your ways be established in order to the Lord. Turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. In other words, remove yourself from evil. Let's look at Proverbs 6, 2. You are snared by the words of your lips. Now, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people use the scripture out of context, but what it really means, um, my verse 1 says, If you have been surety for your neighbor, you have given your pledge for a stranger or another. You are snared with the words of your mouth. You are caught by the speech of your mouth. In other words... Don't co-sign. I told my, all my kids when they got older, don't ask me to co-sign for you because I won't. I just made it, there were certain things I just said, this is what the word says, don't ask me to do it, I'm not gonna do it. But if you say you're gonna do something, you're snared by those words, amen? If you're surety for a friend, then thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Okay, we'll move on here. Everybody got love that one. First Thessalonians. If you're going to co-sign for somebody, just give them the money. I like the way Matt does it. You know, when people ask him if they can borrow money, he'll just give it to him. He'll just tell them, here, I'm giving it to you. I don't want him back. Just, just, I'm giving it to you. If you ever want to pay it, that's fine. But if you don't, that way 
it keeps him free from stress, from stress and strife. First Thessalonians, do you have that one over there, dear? Running around here in this T section. I don't have a watch, so I could be up here till three o'clock some, unless someone loans me their watch. First Thessalonians 5, 22 and 23. Abstain from all appearance of evil. The very God of peace sanctify Holy. And I pray God. Wow. Start over, <laughs> please. Verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very of God and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says, abstain. From the appearance, from all appearance of evil. From all appearance, shrink from it. It says in the outline, abstain from evil, shrink from it, keep aloof from it in whatever form or whatever kind it may be. So, in other words, if it's evil, don't have any part of it. Any of it. You know, when I got saved, the church I was saved in, they're not this way now. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know what happened. But the church I got saved in, the denomination, they believed that either you were saved, but if you happened to blow it, say you were in the... Looking at a woman with lust, okay? And Jesus came at that time. You weren't going to be raptured. You've done real well up to that point, but all of a sudden you had this thought and you gave in to that thought. You weren't going to be in the rapture. Well, it kept people kind of straight and narrow, although I don't know, we had a pornography ring in our church with the board, board members, so I guess it didn't. But um, it put a lot of fear in people. You know, if you're walking with God and, and constantly in his word and doing everything you know, there are going to be thoughts that hit you. I heard a, I heard a person recently, and it was really sad on, on Christian TV, and I sat and listened to him, and it was so sad. He, he had a, a lifestyle, and for seven years he got born again, and for seven years he was totally harassed. In this lifestyle, no one ever sat down and told him he was even on the ministry board or in the ministry in the church, but no one told him you're going to be harassed. No one ever told this guy this. And so for seven years, he was constantly harassed in his mind and didn't yield to it, but finally it became so strong upon him, he yielded to it and he backslid. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but anyway. He was out of, out of God's will for how many years? I don't remember. Years. And finally, somehow, he, got, he, he read the word of God. Someone talked to him about it. He read the word of God, and he was able to get freed from it. Some, you know, God set him free from it, and now he's really serving God. But I, I sat there, and I felt horrible for this person. I thought... 
This poor guy went through seven years and no one told him you're going to be harassed. No one cared enough to say you're going to be harassed. And there is a way out of this. You can come talk to me or whatever. And so abstain from the appearance of evil. He read all these scriptures, but the more he read, the more harassed he was, but no one shared with him. You have 1 John 1, 9, and God has made you an overcomer through Christ Jesus. He was trying to do all this in himself instead of by the Spirit. And a lot of people do this. Okay, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. That wasn't lunch. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody can smile out there. My goodness, I'm going back to Hawaii if you don't. Second Corinthians 6. I certainly hope if something were happening to Pastor Dave and I that you'd all show up on the Friday night and come in here praising and worshiping God. Not because you're glad we're gone, but because you know that God is, that God is greater, that God's your only source. You understand what I'm saying? Praise God. That, you'd know, that you would know how to bounce back and and say, praise God, they're with Jesus. And, and that means that God's got something good for us. Amen? 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Okay, so, so come out from amongst unbelievers. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Come out from amongst unbelievers. And separate, sever yourself from them, says the Lord, and touch not any unclean thing, then I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. Well, what that's telling me, if I don't come out from them, then I'm not going to have favor. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I didn't have to worry about that when I got saved. I became a preaching machine the next day. And I went from the biggest cusser in the world, I think, to a non-cusser, and so everybody that called me was used to cussing. So I just told them, don't do that in front of me. I'm a born-again Christian now. It was like, no way. I said, I don't want to talk about that stuff. We're going to talk about Jesus. I lost every friend but one twice in my life. When I got divorced and when I got born again. <laughs> Hallelujah. The first one was because all the wives thought I wanted their husbands. Good heavens, who'd want them? Um, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, since this great promises are ours, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defiles body and spirit. Okay, he says, we are to cleanse ourselves 
from anything and everything that contaminates and defiles body and spirit and bring our conscience to completeness in the reverential fear of the Lord. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? Do you think he means it? This is Paul's admonishment state, admonition statement and declaration to what needs to take place. If you're going to walk before God in his abundance, you're going to leave behind your fears, doubts, anxieties, and walk in complete faith in his goodness and ability to supply your needs. Don't rely on the arm of the flesh. Don't rely on your old friends. I'm going to tell you. Number two. Number one was walk before me. Number two. What time is it? We're saving number two for later. I want to end on a good note. <laughs> Brother Hagen always taught you to end on a good note. <laughs> That's funny, but it's the truth. Okay. Hang on. Isaiah. Because I've been meditating on the scripture. Isaiah 40, 28, and 29. I'll tell you. Our room was, we had a beautiful room. We had an ocean, a view of the ocean and everything. It was beautiful. But we had the luau right under us. The first four nights were fine. <laughs> After the fourth night, I told Pastor... I could jump on the bed and probably do the hula for you. <laughs> he was completely enthralled because from our room, you could probably see more from our room than where the people that were sitting down there could. It was really cute. One morning, the, some kids jumped up on the stage <laughs> and were, were up on the stage, you know, doing the hula and everything they'd learned the night before. It was a lot of fun, though. It was real interesting to watch. I told Pastor he could probably get a job down there, I think, didn't I, as a singer? Yeah, I think I did. You said you were too old. <laughs> you don't remember. Okay, Isaiah 40, 28 and 29. I think we could fix them up, paint them up, dye his hair black again. We all need to all laugh. Isaiah 40. Pastor was engrossed. I was so tired by that time, I just pulled our chair up. He pulled my chair up, had a footstool, watched it for a while, went like this and fell asleep. After the, the, the seventh day, seventh night, I was like, okay, I've heard enough. Enough is enough. I loved it, but enough was enough. <laughs> okay, let's go to Isaiah 40, what? 40, 28, and 29. He gives power to the faint and weary, and to him who has no might, he increases strength causing it to multiply and making it abound. Even youth shall faint 
and be weary. And selected young men shall feebly stumble and fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. Or become tired. How many have been confessing, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired? You know what happens every time you confess it? Your body goes, they're tired. They're tired. And you feel yourself going, uh, uh. So, this is a good scripture to confess. I wait upon the Lord and I expect, look for hope in Him. And I shall change. And you renew my strength and my power. You lift up my wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. I shall run and not be weary and I shall walk and not faint or become tired. Hallelujah. Do you have anything to share? I am D-U-N. <laughs> D-O-N-E. <laughs> Finished. I took French, but I can't remember the word for finished. Okay. Praise God. You have anything? See, I won't wear a watch from now on. It's probably what? Is it probably 11.30 right now? Did you tell me the truth? Praise God. Okay, are we ready? You want to close the service? What? You're up. She's up with the bag. The bag lady is coming. <laughs> <laughs>